You're listening to UCW Radio. In your face. If you try to remember, you will lose. Empty your mind. Be formed. Shaped. Like water. All the fighters that ever set foot on this planet. I'm the only world champion, United States national champion. I'm a two-time National college champion. I was never beating Cotton. Be proud of The Action Martial Arts Power Hour. All right. Welcome to the Action Martial Arts Power Hour. And we are joined by your host, one of the foremost Wing Chun masters in the United States today. He is known as the most, actually one of the most respected leaders in the world of martial arts today, none other than Master Alan Goldberg. Alan, how you doing, buddy? Yeah, not too bad. I got to still pay you for saying it all the time, but it sounds good. <laughs> oh, I, I, you know, I have to pay you homage, my man. You know, but I appreciate you, that. You, 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 well, you've done a lot in the world of martial arts. You continue to do it, and you, you bring the world together, uh, the world of martial arts, as one family. So, yeah, you definitely deserve that. Uh, you know, those kind of words. Uh, look, Alan, you know, we've been speaking on the show, you know, for the past few weeks uh, in, in the wake of Hurricane Sandy, and we're urging all of our listeners to text, you know, to make a small donation to the American Red Cross. You've been doing it. I've been doing it. And uh, we all have to do our part, you know, to help the victims of Sandy. You know, um, it's it's been a crazy, crazy time. You know that. Oh, yeah. And, you know, more and more I see, I, I actually... I don't want to say I have the privilege, but I did have the chance to go through a couple of these devastated areas myself, personally. I had gone through Staten Island, and I had gone through uh, Coney Island, and I tell you something, I've never seen anything in my life like it. I drove down through Staten Island, and it literally was a pile of garbage almost four, four stories high. That was probably in a parking lot. It was just amazing. Just amazing. So yeah. uh, it's going to take a while, but uh, we got to keep keep the faith, you know? Oh, yeah, definitely. You know, I went through Staten Island. I went through, you know, Coney Island, went to Jersey, went through Bell Harbor and Breezy Point that I've seen blocks burnt down. You know, and that's why, you know, on the show, you and I, we're, we're pushing people. You know, go text 90999. You can make a $10 donation directly to the Red Cross. You can call them at 800-435-7669. Many people need our help. Uh, if you can do something, you know, you know, do something. You can help someone. And I want to thank all of our listeners. Me and Alan want to thank all of you in advance for doing your part. Now, Alan, we have a legend waiting in the wings to come on the Power Hour tonight. He has fought alongside and against some of the most recognized names in the world of martial arts, from Bill Superfoot Wallace to Chuck Norris and Joe Lewis. And he is known as the Muhammad Ali of his sport. He was the first recipient, and this, is, this I found incredible, the first recipient of the Bruce Lee Award for Fighter of the Year, selected directly by Linda Lee and uh, Karate Magazine. And I want everyone to please join us in welcoming to the Power Hour seven-time PKA World Light Heavyweight Champion, a karate champion, and martial arts legend, Jeff D.C. Bomber-Smith. I couldn't get all that out, Jeff. How you doing? Welcome to the show. <laughs> well, what an introduction, Alan. Ooh, you I have him trying. trained really. You have him trained really well. <laughs> and I just, I just, I just almost, 
And I just know it was Jeff, so I, I was happy to hear that also. <laughs> yeah, you know, we have to we have to definitely, you know, when we bring someone like yourself or all the guests on the show, you know, they're all recognized names. You've done a lot in the world of martial arts, so this is the least that I can do for you, is give you the well, you proper inter- introduction. Yeah, and you know what that, that means when they say you've done that much? It means you're getting pretty old. <laughs> oh, yeah. You have a long way to go, my man, a long way to go. Yeah. Uh, after 50 years in the sport, uh, you know, you, you got to do something over those 50 years. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah, true, well. true. So, Jeff, how you been? I'm doing great. Uh, I'm really, sorry. I'm really honored to be on the show, and I'm, I'm glad to see these type of uh, shows uh, being broadcast to really educate the public on the martial arts and, and who some of the uh, people in the sport, uh, some of the pioneers, and, and uh, it's great that Alan has been able to uh, link together here with this whole, uh, whole concept, and uh, uh, I just think that it's uh, perfect, and this is what. Uh, all of our martial arts uh, community needs this type of recognition just to educate the public. So, you know, a lot of them have seen people that are on TV now, but a lot of them don't know about the pioneers and some of the history in the sport. Just like every other baseball, football, and basketball sports uh, stars, a lot of uh, old timers out there that helped build that sport and get it to where it was today. So, it's nice to give all of them recognition. So, I appreciate that. They say so how how soon they forget. That's the problem. So you know, I, I I've been publishing my magazine 22 years now, and then when Lou approached me with the show, I've done some other radio shows and worked a little in some sports shows and stuff. But you know, we wanted to dedicate something a little differently to you know, basically people that should get recognition that really are not getting it anymore because you get a lot of these young people coming into the art, and uh, they got the flash and the. the, the the array of uh, flips and everything else they're doing in the ring. And, you know, uh, Lou and I felt that, you know, we need to speak to some of the guys that have been around that laid the path that actually put forward everything that we have in front of us now. So and that's it, it why really, guys like you. Yeah, oh, and it really puts you. everything in perspective, too. You know, it gives everybody a chance to see how this sport got to where it is today. How did it actually get to this point? You know, yeah. we pretty much know that with our other sports. But uh, martial arts is still uh, in its infancy stages, I think, in, uh, as far as educating the public. You know, I had the pleasure Saturday night, uh, no, excuse me, Friday night I had gone into Manhattan, and uh, Louis Negley, also another world kickboxing champion, uh, was putting on a kickboxing show in Manhattan, and he invited me down. Actually, this year I'm going to speak a little. We're doing something together at my event this year also. And uh, Lou invited me down, and it actually was a kickboxing show. There was no MMA, which is what a lot what he does in Atlantic City. But I stood there and I, I sat down and I watched the show and I was so happy to see kickboxing again because it's been overtaken by MMA. And to me, I love to watch a kickboxing show because there's more action in my mind. So, you know, I thank Lou for it and whatever. And he says, Alan, I do four times a year now just because there is still such a big crowd of people that still want to see kickboxing. So I was happy to see that anyway. Well, what it, what it does, it gives that... Uh that martial arts fan that's out there, a chance to see another perspective, a chance to see another phase of that MMA, uh, you know, the stand-up style of the fighting. Um, you know, you have the ground fighters, and there's a, a certain uh, uh, audience that likes that type of fighting, but uh, there's a lot of them out there that haven't seen some of these old kickboxing matches uh, 
that Joe Corley put on and a lot of the other yeah. sanctioned bodies as well as Lou. Uh, uh, and they put these events on it. And if they, if they could go back and watch some of these fights and see the kicking and the punching they were doing that long ago, they would yep. be floored because it was actually better than the stand-up, most of the stand-up stop, uh, type of uh, fighting in the MMA now. Yeah, and you, it's funny, too, because when you do hear about, you know, all these guys that are stand-up fighters now, those are the guys that are getting a lot of attention in the MMA field. The stand-up fighters are actually ones doing the knockouts, and people really enjoy watching that. Now, I go back, and I, I look at it as being around also myself almost 50 years in the arts. I see that we never had, as martial artists, never had the public to back us up, and that's where the MMA was able to follow up and be where it is today, they actually had the public following and pushing them. Now, you know, kickboxing, it was always a, a little niche. It was just our group or the schools or the people that were students of the schools. And that's why I think it never got, it, it took root to where you know, MMA did today. Well, you get, you get guys like Joe Corley, Lou Negrier, and the, those guys that were uh, doing those promotions back then, and even Aaron Banks and all the other guys from New York and, and the, Chuck Norris, who was doing his uh, his league uh, competition, trying to get some of right. that fighting on the, you know, they all invested years and years and uh, in a, in their time and and trying to the public. But you know what we found out is that with the MMA, they 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 invested a lot of money. They spent a lot of millions yeah. trying to get this, uh, and it finally, you know, after investing, investing. And they were just about ready to give up. It caught hold on the pay-per-view, and they mm -hmm. found their niche. And then once it yeah. got on the pay-per-view, then it was like a reverse. Uh, now, all of a sudden, the other networks wanted to cover it, too. Yeah, yeah. It's and a, before, it's a, we, before when we were doing it, they were kind of going about it the opposite. They were trying to get the airtime from ESPN and, and shows like that, but they weren't really paying enough money back then because most of the airtime – there was 24-hour ESPN back then when it first started, and they needed mm -hmm. a lot of fillers, and they were using karate for that purpose. Yeah, I do remember when Joe Coley, it was going to be about 15 years ago, tried it up in Canada, and it was like it was a pretty big fight. I mean, they actually had a, a lot of coverage on it, but it still didn't take root the way that the MMA did. And then I think you're right; they threw enough money behind it to make it work. And that's really what it came to at this point. Well, and if you if you look at it from just a an audience point of view, you know, if you have a sport that appeals to judo, jiu-jitsu, boxing, wrestling, karate, kickboxing, and you throw it all together, well, then now you're pulling audience from all of those, and they're all watching it to see the stars in their style, and then, of course, all of this created a new style called MMA. And yeah, there you um, go. And, you know, back in 1975, I actually fought in one of the first mixed martial arts fights uh, in America. It was in Hawaii, and Tommy Lee, not there's a Tommy Lee in Maryland, but this is a Tommy Lee that was from Hawaii, uh, actually put on his second show. His first show, he did a, a no-holds-barred, all-styles, judo, jiu-jitsu, kung fu, karate, kickboxing, mm. Muay Thai, uh, judo, wrestling, boxing, every style. Joe Lewis fought in it uh, in the second one. I fought in the second one also. But Vinny Arquides won the first one, and he beat a, a heavyweight by the name of Dana Goodson. And Dana was mm -hmm. probably, I think, about 250. 
and little Benny was about 145 pounds, but wow. uh, he beat the big guy. Uh, Dana, I think, was from Hawaii at the time. So what they did, the next one, I fought in four months later, they decided to do weight classes. Yeah. And again, invited all styles. And there, the only rules were if you were going to use it as a striking, if you were going to use knees and elbows, you had to pat them. If you were going to kick, you had to wear a foot pad. If you were going to punch, you had to wear a hand pad. Other than mm. that, there were no rules. And it was in a boxing ring, and we fought three rounds. And they did an elimination tournament. I won the light heavyweight division. Uh, Joe Lewis fought uh, in the finals of the heavyweight and lost to a local uh, boxer by the name of Teddy Lemos because uh, they stopped it. Joe got cut on a headbutt in the second round, and because he was a hometown uh, uh, fighter, of course, the Hawaiian guys aren't going to say that, the ones from Hawaii, but me being yeah. unbiased, uh, that's what happened because Joe had really beaten him, but they stopped it because of the cut in the second round, uh, or Joe would have won it. But uh, that was back in 75, and wow. he ran those for several years, but it just didn't count, on, you know, catch on enough back then because there weren't enough people that were willing to do that style of fighting back then. Hey, Jeff, can I can I ask you a question? Sure. Okay, you, 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 since we were in the year of 1975, October 1st, 1975, you know, an amazing thing happened, which, I mean, it's, it's historic. You fought on a card, uh, it's uh, dubbed as the Thriller in Manila. I mean, can you tell us about it? How did it feel? I mean, how did that come about? Well, you know, I really owe all of that to, uh, to Joe Lewis, because Joe Lewis... Uh, who was the heavyweight world champion at the time, uh, Don King wanted to uh, have him fight uh, one of his fighters, uh, from a, a guy from New York City named Kareem Allah, uh, mm -hmm. who, who, you know, back then, uh, he was one of the top uh, guys in that New York City, would go to all the tournaments and had a lot of fighters that would win. And uh, uh, so Don King had joined forces with him because he was very impressed with his technique, and they had the whole thing set up for Joe Lewis. But about uh, six or eight weeks before that, Joe Lewis had a fight with uh, with a young uh, uh, farm boy by the name of Ross Scott oh, yeah. in, Indiana, in Indiana. And uh, during the fight, he dislocated his, uh, you know, Joe dislocated his shoulder and uh, had to fight the whole the rest of the fight with one arm. And Ross was uh, was and young and but a big strong country boy and he just kept pounding Joe for all those rounds and just wore him down with one arm and Joe lost on a decision. But uh, you know, of course, if Joe hadn't uh, hurt his arm, you know, his shoulder, he would he would have uh, he would have won the fight. But now they had a predicament because nobody. So when they called Joe, Joe told me he wasn't going to be able to do it. He, there's no way he'd be in good enough shape by then. So he recommended that they put me in there because I was the world champion. And they had done that in boxing before where they had a light heavyweight versus a heavyweight. And uh, so we actually fought. Um, that was how I ended up getting on that undercard. And it went on worldwide closed circuit TV it still holds the record for the largest viewing audience of a of a martial, of a live martial arts event with 50 million people uh, actually viewing it 
because that was the big, uh, that was the third, the Thriller in Manila. So that was the big one that everybody was really looking for. So we had a built-in audience. And uh, I won a uh, a decision um, over over Kareem at that fight. I mean, it must I, be an I, amazing thing, you know, just to just to say you on that card and you won on that card, you know, because that that's history. That's embedded actually, in boxing, I, martial arts, everything. I actually Go watched ahead. that in in one of the movie theaters that we're having it, uh, you know, broadcasted in one of the theaters in Brooklyn here. I do remember that fight. I actually I knew of you and I knew Kareem too at the time, and you know, it was great to just see the fight. It was unbelievable, but. Uh, that's why we brought you on the show because we need to know about more history where people don't know anymore. You know, it's it's the truth. They really don't know what what went on back. You know, even even twenty years ago, and uh, we need you know the, the younger generation to come up and realize who these people are. So and, and that's why we're doing the show too. Yeah, and back okay. back then his back then his name was Kareem. Uh, he went by Kareem Allah, but that right. that name was. Uh, they didn't like him using that name because it had, you know, because of the religious connotation. So uh, I think he, he used his uh, his real name. Uh, the they had it as Abdallah, A B D A L L A H, and yeah, he's, he's still up he, in uh, he's still up in New Jersey and he's still yeah, training. Newark, and, yeah, yeah, and we're we're mm-hmm. we're Facebook friends and we uh, we chat on mm-hmm. Facebook all the time and and post stuff and. Uh, you know he's a real gentleman and a real pioneer in the sport, and uh, really had a an impact for uh, you know thanks to him and his connection with uh, Don King, he was the one that really got that that fight put on, uh, talked Don King into doing it. So you know, we really owe him a, a debt of gratitude too, and uh, yeah. it was uh, it was a great experience, you know. Having uh, press conferences with Muhammad Ali, you know, we were in Chicago, we were in New York, uh, New York at, at the uh, Trump Plaza there, and, and you know, they treated me with the utmost respect. You know, uh, back then there was a lot of tensions, and you know, and I was the challenger, and I was trying to fight the heavyweight and their guy, and and mm-hmm. it was a complete because I was the light heavyweight world champion, I wasn't the heavyweight, and so All I was right. fighting out of my class. And uh, so I was the underdog. So uh, for me to win a decision, uh, it, I was uh, I, I was quite happy with that. That was quite yeah, exactly. You had, you had to show your wares. That's all. Well, Jeff, so tell me what you, you're doing now. I know you're very, still very busy. I know you're working with NAFTA and you're working with your own schools and stuff like that. Tell the audience a little more about what you're doing. Well, I'm the the national director for Mile High Karate. I joined forces with one of my black belts by the name of Stephen Oliver. And uh, and Stephen Oliver, about uh, oh four or five years ago, uh, Century when when Century owned uh, NAPMA, which is the National Association of Professional Martial Artists, it's a it's a consulting uh, uh, business for martial arts schools and school owners to help them run their business. Started originally by John Graydon, and uh, uh, he made uh, Century an offer to buy it from them and. Ended up doing that, so uh, you know that's how I became associated with the NAPMA. Even though when John Graydon owned it, I was I was uh, heavily involved in it then with him, even when he first got it started, and I would always go to their conventions and everything. So mm-hmm. when uh, Century had it, 
I told uh, Steve Oliver that I thought that that would be a good uh, a good investment, a good opportunity uh, to help a lot of martial arts schools around the country for us to really grow the sport by showing them how to run their businesses. Because unfortunately, our our great martial artists are making a great living teaching martial arts, and right. uh, and of them aren't making a great living by competing in martial artists. And now nowadays they're making more than we were back then, but even then we weren't making a you know a real good living like any other top athletes would in any other sport. So uh, this gave us a chance to help schools build their their uh, business and really teach them and educate them that it doesn't matter if you're a world champion or a national champion or whatever. Uh, if you're not a world champion in running a karate school business, you know, you have to run your business side of the martial arts to really become a champion in that side of it to have a viable business. And the purpose of the martial arts training is to help kids. You know, we do a, a big development program for kids and really expand the, the positive image of the martial arts. And, uh, that's how we need to build our grassroots to build our spectators is have all these students from all over the country. Uh, you know, before the reason my dad was a, a big baseball fan because he grew up in baseball. When I grew up, it was a bigger sport than baseball. So that's what actually is why the MMA is so successful. All these people that are watching it were probably karate students or judo students or jiu-jitsu or boxing or wrestling or some phase of the martial arts and now are becoming students and part of that. So well, it's, you know, it's, it's really come a long way. You know, NAPM has been around a long time and they, they, have, they were on the forefront of helping schools come up. So, you know, I'm glad when I see Stephen Oliver and Toby all, you know, coming together and putting out a, a process that let people make a little more money in the martial arts. Because the real truth of the matter is, it is a business, but if the business is not run correctly, we're not going to have martial arts schools around. So they're doing well, a great job. And what we and, try to do is we try to teach them that if you if you run your business the right way, it's not about chasing the money. It's about developing the students and keeping them there and making it a, a value your business so the people want to stay. They want to be a black belt because like anything else, the longer they do it, the more they're going to pay. The longer they're going to pay, the better they're going to be. So we want to keep them and motivate them to be longer. And uh, that's how I became connected back with uh, Steve Oliver. We started uh, – uh, he started his – he wanted to do franchising, so we joined forces again and now have uh, franchises for Mile High in New Zealand. So we have wow. about 25 schools now, and I'm the national director for all those train all of the instructors and all of the staff for that organization. Yeah, you see, you just keep going. You're a machine, Jeff, no <laughs> doubt about it. You're a machine. Hey, listen, Jeff, uh, I have uh, Jamie from Fort Worth uh, on hold. He has two questions for you. So uh, would you like to take? Would you like to speak to him now, or do you want to wait a yeah. minute? You want him now? I'm okay. Jamie, sure. Jamie from Fort Worth, 
welcome to the show and introduce yourself to uh to Jeff Smith. Thank you, sir. I appreciate it. Hello, Mr. Smith. Jamie, how Can you, you hear doing? me okay? I'm yes, blessed. Sir. Thank you. I was curious, uh I was I was talking with Grandmaster Bertelson this past weekend and uh he, he posed me a question to ask you actually and it was who was the toughest competitor you ever fought? <laughs> well, you know, I've had several people ask me that over the years. It's not the first time. And, uh, you know, rather than give an answer, uh, what I tell everybody, my toughest competitor was myself because I had to get ready and stay motivated. You know, it's one thing to become a world champion, work hard to become a world champion, but when you get on top uh, until you get there, you don't realize how much harder it is to keep that title and maintain that title um, because you have everybody. Now you have the bar set. They know what it's going to take to beat you. They know what it takes to train. So I always was trying to uh, train and keep myself, uh, you know, at a point of conditioning that there was nobody I felt that I got in the ring with that for 12 rounds could go as hard as I could. And if I could keep the fight going long enough till I either dazed them or kept, uh, you know, wearing them down, that I knew I could win. And I had that kind of confidence, kind of like a runner who's not afraid to get out there and set the pace faster earlier and then burn his competitors out at the end of the race where they don't have any gas left. So trying to keep above everybody for that period of time. And one of the things in my career I had, uh, I fought uh, in actual kickboxing for 15 years, but I I was world champion for for, uh, eight years and then U.S. champion for six more years after that. And during those fights, I was never knocked down or never knocked out. And that was, that was my biggest uh, accomplishment. I felt not just maintaining the title, but being able to compete in that, you know, tough a sport. And, you know, there's a lot of guys that are getting clocked all over and they're having all these concussion problems through football and everything. And it does compound uh, and cause problems later on in life from taking those hard shots. I worked a lot on defense also. So just the training, the conditioning, you know, back then nobody had ever gone. When we went nine rounds was the first time when we did uh, the first world championships after the original ones in 74, the first title defense when I fought and Bill Wallace fought, uh, we fought nine rounds. The next longest fight after that was the Kareem Ala fight. They wanted it longer, so they moved it to 11 rounds. Well, nobody had ever gone 11 rounds. And then after that, they moved it to 12 rounds. So that's how it ended up as as all world titles were 12 rounds back then after those first several years because nobody had ever done that before. It it was tough to go that many rounds in in a ring roped in because we were u- originally used to an open area. Right. And, and, and Jeff, you know, just to, just to go back to what you guys are speaking about, as far as martial arts as a business, 
Uh, we have uh, Napna, Napna on the uh, on coming on the show, so uh, well, I guess we can continue the conversation. Great, great. But, hey, uh, Master Smith and Alan, how are you guys doing today? Good. And, and just to close out on Jamie there, uh, and Jamie's question, you know, uh, uh, just to give you some names of some of the fighters that I that I thought that were very tough fighters. I mean, coming up through the ranks there, there was there was a lot of them. But you know that Kareem Allah fight. Uh, uh, that was, you know, with that uh, large of audience and that big of outcome, I would have to say that that was uh, one of the most important fights, you know, other than the first world championships to earn my original world title. That was the one that uh, meant the most to me back then. Uh, so, and he was a tough opponent being a, a heavyweight too. Uh, and now we have uh, Toby on the on the line from Napa? I made it. Good afternoon, everybody, <laughs> or evening, depending on what part of the world you're in, I guess. Toby, there? I am. Can you hear me? Yes. I can hear you. How are you, sir? Oh, wonderful. How's everybody doing tonight? Good. Good having you on the show. Uh, we know that you, you know, were working with uh, Jeff very closely and the things you're doing with Napa, and uh, you say a few things about uh, Jeff that we don't know. <laughs> well, yeah, you, you know, uh, 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 open, open that door, huh? No, you know, you know, I think what's interesting, uh, you know, I was listening for a while before, uh, before, and, um, you know, obviously what we're doing, you know, at NATMA is helping, you know, the actual school owner, people who are operating martial arts schools as a career and as a business. But, you, you know, uh, Master Smith and I had an interesting conversation out in Golden, Colorado, uh, a few months ago for our marketing boot camp. And and one of the things that I think is really interesting and really important for folks to, I mean, really understand, you know, the habits and behaviors of becoming a great martial artist are the exact same habits and behaviors of being a successful martial arts business operator. The great thing about it, you know, the great thing about operating a martial arts school as a career and as a business is we've already been taught all the way up earning our black belt and our, our degrees of black belt and or in our competition careers We've all been taught the habits already, you know. Uh, Master mm-hmm. Smith is a great example of the type of dedication and, and training it takes. But, but you know, let me, let me just say this as an example. I think this is an interesting example, I think, for everybody, to, for, for it to resonate with everybody. You don't get to become Jeff Smith. You don't get to the level of competition. You don't get to the level of martial arts excellence that he has without putting in the time on the road, right, without putting in the training in the gym, without putting in the – you know, the rounds in the in the practice room. But unfortunately, we don't have that. Most people who go and open up a martial arts school don't put that same level of training and education and dedication into mastering their martial arts business processes, their business training. They think that that should all just come naturally, and it just doesn't. And, and you know, I, I, I think to answer your direct question, Alan, you know, the thing that I think people don't know about, you know, Master Smith is, uh, you know, the level of, I mean, hardcore dedication to what he's doing as a as a martial arts business in his martial arts school, he has eighty like eighty seven percent of the students in his school choose they're not forced and they're not coerced, but choose to to participate in his leadership program, which he's charging over three hundred dollars a month for. Right now, again, they 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 could participate in a lower level program if they wanted to. But he, he's put together such a good program, such a strong, robust program, that they want to be in that thing. They, they want to be part of that thing. And, 
I think that's what a lot of people don't know about him. He just has put the same level of dedication in developing his business as he did as a as a competitor. Well, I, I appreciate that, but I was still looking for other stories besides that. We don't want to talk. We'll, 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 we'll talk over uh, a few with that one, then. You can, you anyway. can what are you looking the, for, a TMZ moment? <laughs> Toby, you can tell him some of the uh, the motorcycle uh, stories, because you went riding with Bill Wallace and I when I was yeah, down in yeah. Florida visiting Bill. You came over <laughs> and rode your bike. So you can, you can tell the motorcycle that we've got to go motorcycle ride. Well, well you know, there, there is actually a good one. We, we, uh, so uh, uh, we were with Bill Wallace, so that means you know where we had to end up going to, to lunch, right? We had to go to lunch. Oh, yeah, of course. Of course. So, yeah, I mean, there, was, there was just no other option on the map. Actually, I think it might have been a, a, a different wing place, but, you know, same concept, right? And, and I'll tell you what was interesting was that I don't know why this happened, but it was uh, – uh, Jeff, was there any, was anybody else with us? It was just the three of us, right? Yeah. I think so. Uh, yeah, but, but, you know, walking around the Daytona 500, I think probably, I don't know, 20 or 25 people came up to either, you know, Bill Wallace or Jeff and wanted an autograph. And when we ended up at, you know, of course, Hooters, uh, there was a player from, I think, the Denver Broncos uh, football team in the, sort of the back area and, you know, a couple of people had, you know, wandered sort of in that section of the restaurant and noticed who he was and, you know, kind of bothered him a little bit for an autograph. But I'll bet you Bill and Jeff between them signed about 30 autographs that night in the building. So, yeah. you know, there, there is a martial arts community out there that you may not recognize, uh, but uh, but they know who these guys are, you know. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It's a funny thing too, you know. You 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 talk about Bill Bill with his hamburgers. Let he shocked me a couple of weeks ago. We were having dinner, and he actually had a piece of salmon. So that's <laughs> a newsflash that no one else knows. But Did that, you that's take Bill a Wallace picture? anyway. Did no, actually, I, 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 he actually shocked me. I didn't have time to even take a picture because I couldn't believe it myself. But uh, if, so, if, so, if you oh. took a picture of that, he would lose his advertising contract with uh, five cuts. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, right. Anyway. Well, Toby, you know, I, I want to have you on the phone. I'd like the audience to know that you'll be at our event doing a mini convention this year, as you did last year. And uh, you got a few seconds. You tell the audience uh, about what you're doing. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, again, I, I think, it, I think it's, it's really the same, you know, concept as what you guys were describing earlier. Unfortunately, the martial arts business, typically, the typical progression that a, that a human being, a martial arts school owner, goes through is they started out as a martial arts student. They were dedicated, fantastic students. They earned their black belt. They loved their training. They loved. They thought to themselves, man, I would love to do this as a career. And they one day just sort of end up owning a martial arts school, really having you know almost zero level of training in business at all, much less the martial arts business. And what we really dedicated ourselves to is helping folks that are in that circumstance revolutionize what they're doing in their business, really, really create a significant career. And my personal belief as well as, as Master Smith is here is, you know, anyone running a martial arts school should be easily able to generate a high, a high six-figure salary uh, every year and really live a life of, of dignity, you know, really live a life of abundance. And, mm-hmm. and unfortunately, as an industry, we just uh, – a lot of folks that are operating schools just simply – they don't have the tools yet. They just they just don't quite have the knowledge and tools. Right. So what we're doing the day before your event and uh, and during the event, we're having some business sessions for schools of any size. So if I have you know 50 students in a little part-time school, it's a great fit. If I have 500 students in a huge fitness center, it's a great fit. We're going to be talking about how to attract more new students without breaking the bank on marketing. You know, a lot of schools don't have a ton of cash sitting in the bank that they can dump, dump into media. 
So we have mm-hmm. all sorts of, you know, community-based marketing strategies that you can go out and, you know, create a lot of students, a lot of traffic without spending a bunch of money. Um, right, and also right. some of the things that some of the things that Master Smith has mastered, how to get students into the school really excited about being a student for a long time instead of, you know, here for a couple of months and gone. How do we really get mm-hmm. students to stay with us for for years and years and years, ultimately to become staff members and perhaps even owners under us mm-hmm. at, at some level? So that's really what we're doing, and and, and we're really excited to be part of it and, and to be able to help as many people as we can uh, while we're there. Wonderful. And could just give people the website so they can find out more about you and an email or phone number or something like that. Yeah the, yeah, the easiest thing is just, you know, anybody who comes to the event, we, we really want to do our part, Alan. I mean, I mean we really want to help folks. And I think, unfortunately, in a lot of cases, you know, you, you, you really need someone to look at your business. You need someone to look over your shoulder, look at how the business is structured, and, and really make sort of a holistic, you know, create a holistic blueprint. So anybody who's coming to the event, we're going to spend time with them one-on-one on the telephone before and after the event, really helping them, you know, through the business process. So if you go to if you go to natma.com, so it's N-A-P-M-A, natma.com, forward slash private coaching session. I know it's kind of a long URL, but it's private coaching session. Um, this is where you know this might be a good story. Uh, and, and Master Smith, this is this is Master Smith and I sort of I came up with this concept after talking to him out in Denver, running a school for any number of years, running any business, frankly, for any number of years, is kind of analogous to being in a 12-round title fight. But now it's round eight, right? So even if you're winning the fight, you've still been punched in the face for eight straight rounds, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So what happens is you start to lose a little bit of perspective, right? And your, your, your training has to kick in. But what, what happens is you've got to have, and Master Smith, you, you should speak to this, you have got to have a coach in the corner that when the bell mm-hmm. rings and you sit down on that stool, and then Master Smith, I think, would be, again, one of the first people to describe this. When you sit down on that stool, you've got to have somebody who's been looking at the fight from a distance, who can give you some right. perspective on what's really happening to you out there, um, you, you know, and, and can really give you some guidance and get your head back in the game. So we're going to spend time with anybody coming to the event, doing that for them, helping them get, you know, helping them to sit down on the stool and gain some real perspective on the business. And um, and they can go to that website and, and get get registered for all that stuff, and we'll we'll help them with all that. So it's just it's natma.com forward slash private coaching session. But I think well, you, you, can know, Toby, or you can phone Toby on Facebook also. There you go. Yeah, yeah. I, I can't take you as a friend though. I got five thousand one hundred ninety-seven friends. I can't add anymore. So yeah, yeah and, I, I'm stuck. And Alan, you <laughs> know you know what's what's interesting with what what Toby was saying. Uh, it's that is the exact reason why. Uh, I talked uh, uh, with Steve Oliver in the first place uh, to to buy NATMA and to take NATMA over. It's because I was tired of seeing all my great martial arts friends suffering so much. I mean, we have these guys, the biggest pioneers in the martial arts, because they spent so much time on their martial arts and they didn't spend enough time on the business side of it because they didn't have a business mentor. They had yeah. martial arts instructors when they were coming up. And they had great people to train with uh, in the martial arts side, but they didn't have people like that to help them on the business side. You know, uh, Jamie, uh, who called in, was talking about uh, Grandmaster Pat Burleson. 
uh, a good mm-hmm. example of one of the pioneers when I was a brown belt who back then was talking about uh, business side of the martial arts schools. He was the first one uh, back in Texas who started the uh, the intro, you know, where you have your trial class uh, for two or three lessons to see if you like it to sign up. He was mm-hmm. one of the first pioneers of that business concept. And wow. it's the same things that we're doing today – but you know what happens, and you've seen it all over New York, uh, Alan, all the time. You've got Joe Blow karate up there, and the guy isn't martial arts-wise, isn't with a hill of beans, but he's got pretty good business knowledge, so his school is all successful, and that means yep. we're teaching lousy martial arts. We're perpetuating that because more students are running through his business and the good martial arts school down the street who really has some substance to teach doesn't know how to get the students in there and keep them, doesn't know how to apply business principles. Now, you know, I, I went to college and was a business major, and, uh, you know, I, I like to say that I was a professional student because I had six years of business without a degree because I kept changing universities. But what I did get was business knowledge, and I got to apply it uh, by working for Grandmaster June Ree and running all his schools. And right. uh, working with him, mm-hmm. I took his schools from four schools when I started with him to 12 schools. And from training all of his staff and training all of his instructors and running that business side for him and teaching good martial arts, because Grandmaster Ree was a, an advocate to that, uh, where he was even old school, uh, you know, where he would fail people all the time. That's, that's hard to run a business when you're failing people. So what we had to do mm-hmm. was to make sure the instructors taught them good enough that they wouldn't fail, rather than go. just let them get and, by. And Jeff, and, I need you to hold. I need you to hold that thought, and I apologize, but no Jeff, problem. Toby, Allen, we have to take a break in a minute. But before we go to break. I have uh, Tayari Cassell. Uh, he wants to come on uh, to talk to you guys for a minute, and then we're going to go to break. So, Tayari, welcome to the show. Greetings and salutations. Jeff, Jeff, Jeff. Up, <laughs> oh, Jeff, I love, the, I love the smile and the laugh right now. I tell you, you know what, gentlemen, for everybody who's here and who's listening, one of the things that I have to say that, and Jeff, you know, we have known each other for so many years being on the circuit and everything else. And, Jeff, you know I love and respect you for everything that you have done in terms of martial arts, your career, and how you are continuing to help many other people. It is really one of the things that I truly enjoy and respect about you because I know your spirit and energy is just so Great. So I have to say that right from the beginning. I mean, we go back. We, Jeff, you know, we go back so many years. And, I mean, and let me let me stop you for a second because uh, you know I want everybody to know that uh, you're not just a guy calling in. Uh, you know, <laughs> you have uh, you know you're like uh, of all the soft styles, and you know back when uh, you know Bruce Lee was uh, you know one of the premier soft styles. Not too many guys were doing kickboxing and and all of that type of competition back in Southside, and you were the pioneer back then who was in New York tearing up all the the contact 
fights uh, with, with, without equipment back when they didn't even have pads and doing the full contact ba- back then. And, uh, you know, for you to still be doing this sport and still, you know, uh, and you're one of these guys that has a successful school, and you've been able to, you know, cross over and not just be a good martial artist coming up through the years, but produce good students and have a successful martial arts business. So uh, for you giving me those compliments, I, I, I appreciate it. it. It means a lot coming from you. You know, Jeff, thank you so much. But you know what? For everybody else who's listening, and forget you, Jeff. I don't care what you just said. <laughs> let me tell you. Let me tell you all. You know, Jeff Smith, you know, you know, we go with Joe Corley, if I started listening all the if I start listing all the names of everybody, you know, for Bill Wallace and 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 Jeff, you know, for just a brief moment, let me just say how wonderful it was for you and I and Bill to be together to see our friend Joe Lewis from the old guard for us to be there together. And I don't know if you already talked about it, but you yeah. know it's great to be with you, to share the moment with that great martial arts champion. And I'm saying, Jeff, when you said, let's take this picture, man, it touched my heart because I know how special it was for us to be there together again. And Bill said something privately to me that really touched me. And I'm saying, hey, man, once again, you continue to demonstrate the martial arts spirit, but a friend, a champion, and just just a fine human being. Now, we can talk about all of your accomplishments as a martial artist, the people that you fought. You had a good hard fight with William Oliver. You remember that little young? Oh, yeah, in New York. Yeah, man. So, you know, you and I both know about all of the stuff, and everybody knows about that part. I just wanted to make sure that I could chime in and just say what kind of gentleman that you've been and the respect that you've given all the time. And I truly appreciate it, and I always look forward to seeing you and spending time with you. And so thank you for sharing everything that you've done. I'm not going to take up any more time from everybody else who wants to do it. I just want to say something. I just want to say something. Jeff's a class act, and the guys that call in such as yourself also class act. So I appreciate you calling in too, my brother. Alan, thank you so much. Thanks a lot, Terari. And what Terari was referring to there, Alan, in case you didn't uh, know, uh, he came to visit uh, uh, Joe Lewis uh, in the VA hospital uh, during that week before he passed away, uh, when Bill and I were there for the whole week, he came up and spent the day uh, with Joe Lewis and got to see him before he passed away. And it was a, uh, it was real, it was a real good uh, tribute to to Joe for him to be there for, you know, to get a couple pictures with us all together back uh, celebrating Joe's life. Okay. On on that note, we have to take a uh, quick break. God bless you. But, but, but we're going to be back, Tyree. Thank you for your kind words. And, you know, just uh, Jeff, Allen, just everybody, just hang tight. We're going to be back for the uh, second half of the show with Wikipedia Joe. And uh, just everybody, just uh, hang on. We'll be back. Okay. You're we'll be listening here. to <laughs> UCW Radio in your face. 
audience say it with me? Legendary. It's going to be 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 legendary. Action Martial Art Magazine, January 25th, 26th, Hall of Fame, Atlantic City, Trump County Hotel. Be there, bigger, better than ever. The ultimate martial art event, the biggest martial event in the world. Tropicana Hotel. You want to contact me, 718-856-8070, or go to our website, actionmagstore.com. about Lincoln, it just hasn't been a relevant brand. So all we had to do was introduce great new products like the new MKZ and an all new dealership experience and we're off to the races. Well outside of North America, the market we're really focused on now is China. Uh, we've announced just recently that Lincoln will go to China in 2014 and we'll have an exclusive dealer network that only sells Lincoln and a world class um, experience. One of the reasons why Chinese are so interested in Lincoln is it has such a beautiful 90-year history. They really want to know more about Lincoln. They love authentic luxury brands like Lincoln. They have a beautiful past. Uh, tonight, we continue a tradition here at the White House by honoring some extraordinary people who have no business being on the same stage together. <laughs> We've got Buddy Guy sitting next to Dustin Hoffman. We've got Dave Letterman alongside one of the greatest ballerinas of all time. I don't think Dave dances. <laughs> all three living members of Led Zeppelin in one place. <laughs> uh, 
so it, it, this is a remarkable evening, and it, and it speaks to something that has always made this country great. Uh, the idea that here in America, more than any other place on earth, uh, we are free to follow our own passions, explore our own gifts, wherever they may lead us, and people from all around the world come here uh, to make sure that uh, they too can uh, provide us the incredible gifts uh, that they have. Tonight's honorees uh, didn't just take up their crafts to make a living. They did it because they couldn't imagine living any other way. And that passion took each of them from humble beginnings to the pinnacle of their profession. And tonight, in the People's House, we have a chance to say thank you. All right, welcome back to the Power Hour. Uh, we're here with Alan Goldberg, of course, your host. We have uh, Master Jeff Smith, a legend, martial arts legend. We're joined by uh, by, by Toby uh, with uh, NAPMA, and then we have Wikipedia Joe. So now How you doing? we have the <laughs> we have the, the the whole roundup. So now uh, I'll hand it over to you, uh, Joe and Alan, and you know uh, just go right into it. Hey, how are you, Joe? Great to talk to you, Sifu. It's a it's a joy to be back. And uh, boy, you guys, I, I thought you were go- I thought you were going to exhaust all my questions, and I'm checking them off and checking them off, and I'm going okay. But uh, <laughs> lo and behold, I've still got some a, a couple of original questions for uh, 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 Subumnim Smith, and uh, we're going to have some fun. It's all good, well, buddy. He's been bragging all over on you, Joe. So I'm ready for some good ones. Okay, let's rock and roll. Well, my first question for you, uh, back in your early days when you were training with Junri, who were some of the other notable black belts that you remember from your day in uh, in training with him at that time? Well, people that were working with uh, Grandmaster Ree there in Washington, D.C., we had a, a, a team that we competed all over the country, and we had beaten uh, Chuck Norris's team when they were undefeated. Uh, we won the U.S. team championships. And on that team uh, that that competed at all these national events uh, with me was Pat Worley and his brother John Worley and Larry Carnahan, who is uh, uh, also the uh, president of NASCA. NASCA, which is yes, a, sir. Not NATMA, but NASCA, which is NASCA. the North American Sport Karate Association. And that's the sanctioning body for tournaments. Uh John and Pat Worley have schools up in Minneapolis now. Also, Michael Coles, who was the uh, lightweight uh, U.S. champion and number one contender uh, for the world title. And uh, Wayne Van Buren, uh, Otis Hooper, uh, Wayne Booth. Uh, These were guys that were on our team back then that uh, we were competing all over. Rodney Batiste, who was the uh, U.S. a PKA champion in kickboxing and also the number one uh, contender in the middleweight division uh, when Bill Wallace held the title. So we had uh, we had some pretty good guys that I that I got to train with back then. And then our super lightweight was Gordon Franks, who uh, was a super lightweight world champion. So coming out of our junior stable, guys that I trained with, we had either the number one contender in the PKA or the uh, and the U.S. champion or the world champion in every weight class except heavyweight. We didn't wow. have a heavyweight. We had super lightweight world champion Gordon Franks. We had U.S. champion and number one contender, contender Mike Coles. We had U.S. champion and number one middleweight contender Rodney Batiste, who also 
who fought Don Wilson. And um, then me, of course, as a light heavyweight. And then we didn't have a heavyweight. And that was back when there was just five uh, weight classes. When they originally did the uh, world championships, there was four weight classes. And then they added that super lightweight later when uh, Gordon Franks won it. Now, uh, while we're on the topic of that, um, again, many people aren't aware that simply stated, um, you you and your team, you were the test models for Jinry's original safety equipment uh, way back in the day. <laughs> when do well, you, you, you are that being pulled out? You are good. Not only were we the original test dummies, uh, he would come out there when we were sparring and put some new equipment on us. We would fight and see where it would tear and where we would get thumbed in the eye and where the knuckle would slip through, then he would go back and cut it up again and come back an hour later and put some new stuff on us and try it again. And we even had the original face gear that had a nose protector on it. It was a plastic, uh, it was a plastic uh, triangle, tripod-looking thing, mm-hmm. and it actually came out and put us in the eye. <laughs> I don't know how we survived all the... Uh, you know all that, all that uh, being the test dummies there. You know, I I, um, I actually have somewhere. I actually uh, I actually just picked one up from a person on Craigslist of all things. He had, and it was in pristine condition. I was like, how did you keep this? You know, no tears, <laughs> no rips. I got a pair of the original safety. Remember the bright yellow safety chops? Yeah. And uh, yep. I'm hoping I'm hoping to get in touch with Linda Dentley and say I don't care if these things are falling apart. You were the person who used safety punch forever. And it was, <laughs> you know, with all the innovation, she kept those old safety punches. Yeah, well, the first ones, you're, you're right. The yellow ones weren't the first. The first ones were those no. weird-looking ones that had a flat with a round. They were round and had a flat end. It looked like a nub off of off of somebody uh, who lost a, a limb. A lot, exactly. And for some reason, Linda Dentley loved that design and wore it for years it. and years. And uh, if I ever meet her, I'm going to say, give me, give, you, give me the pair well, of it, sign it. I will I put it in the museum. I was just with her in Texas at uh, Gary Lee's uh, event down there. He had a Hall of Fame awards, and she was there, uh, of course, receiving an award. And oh, she said she still has those original safety equipment gear. Wow. Mm-hmm. Now, you know, unfortunately, I was supposed to be at that event on the Kempo uh, um, question board. Unfortunately, I wasn't able to make it to the event, and I'm still kicking myself about it. It was a great time. Uh, uh, Pat Burleson was there, Jamie Cash, and Jim Harrison. They did a big tribute for – we did a big tribute for uh, Joe Lewis there. Uh, there was some, some great people. I got to go back and renew my Texas citizenship uh, because <laughs> obviously I, I originally grew up and started my martial arts training before I went out to Washington, D.C. with Grandmaster Ree. Wow. Because Grandmaster Ree, and you probably know this being the Wikipedia genius here, uh, June Ree started originally in Texas. Back oh, in no, I, you know, I actually did not know that. Yeah, he started in Texas back in 1956. We stopped him. I, I know. I almost fell off my chair. <laughs> uh, and that's how Alan Steen was. Alan Steen and Pat Burleson were two of his first black belts uh, when June Reed was teaching at the University of Texas. Oh, my and that's goodness. How I got, I, that's how I got started uh, because June Reed would come down to Texas every semester and do the belt test. And uh, one of his black belts was from my hometown, 
and that's how I got started. So Jim wow. Reed gave me every one of my belt tests from White Belt, and he was in Washington, D.C., but he would come down to, to Texas and go through all of his old uh, college uh, programs, and he started a college uh, program all over the country. We had um, university clubs all over, and he would go around all you know the whole year and, and do these belt exams to promote and spread his black belts, and that's how they developed so many junior black belts all over the country. Wow. Well, let's go on to my next question. Um, again, the uh, the original karate championships that were televised on ABC, and and most people don't even realize that these television that this this show was televised like at eleven o'clock at night. This was not exactly. primetime TV, and it was hosted, of course, by uh, then the, the one of the most one of the most famous TV actors of the day, Telly Savalas from Kojak, and. Um, Wanted to talk to you about another interesting piece of martial arts memorabilia that you wore, that that you, uh, Joe Lewis and Bill Wallace, all wore that changed the martial arts world. The stars and stripes <laughs> gi. And I still I have that. Now about it. I still have it. No. Wow. I still have it. The pants and the top. And uh, wow. Bill Wallace still has his, and Joe Lewis still had his. Wow. Now, and who, how? Who passed them along to you? How did that all come about? I mean, it definitely was a fashion statement. That was Mike Anderson. Mike Anderson right, who helped promote the event with uh, Joe Lewis. He's mm. the one because he wanted to. He's the one that, that came up with that style uniform. Wow! And, well, and now they they changed it after that first original one. You know, they came out with these uh, these uh, funky looking tops. You know, they had a little uh, bell bottom pants, and they were double knit stretch pants later with stripes mm-hmm. on them gray the gray things right. because uh they wanted something that was more tight fitting and and looked more like uh uh you know like a a, a wrestler's trunks and that type of thing yeah i remember the gray with the purple and the purple yep. and the dark purple and blue trim and i was like okay you know um I remember those days, and of course, uh, Gordon Franks in his in his in his classic red gi bottoms when he fought in the PKA. Right. Well, speaking of Mike Anderson, uh, again, you were rated in the in the first national rating service ever created by Mike Anderson for Professional Karate Magazine, and I, as a martial arts historian, who can ever forget that weird, funky red and blue Professional Karate issue cover with you on the cover, and <laughs> receiving the Bruce Lee Award that was alluded to earlier? How did all that come about? Well, Mike again. That's Mike Anderson was, you know, with with him and Joe Lewis, they they were really doing all of this stuff. They were the real pioneers in that. And uh, Mike was the catalyst, and Joe Lewis was the one that was, uh, you know, directing him. Uh, you know, was his advisor. But Mike Anderson, you know, of course, was a black belt of June Rees also, mm-hmm. uh, and you know, learned uh, was was teaching uh, the June Rees system in Germany when he when he met George Brooker. Right. That's how we started that uh, that whole international competition when they started that WACO World Championships was Mike Anderson and George Bruckner. And uh, Joe and Bill and I were on that first U.S. team to go to, to uh, Germany and uh, fight in that World Championships over there and uh, win it for the U.S. team back then when we put – and this was back, uh, you know, before we got into the full contact stuff. This was, you know, just a year or two before that. But Mike Anderson, uh, you know, with Joe Lewis, put that put that whole thing together. Yeah, he yeah good guy, Mike. And that rating system, the way he did that, 
um, and the way he came up with uh, the Bruce Lee Award, he wanted to have something that was equivalent to uh, professional football, I mean, for amateur uh, college football. And when the in amateur football, uh, in college football, they had the Heisman Trophy. Heisman Trophy, right. So he wanted something, and that was given to the top uh, you know, football player of the year. So he wanted to have that for martial arts. And what better way to pay tribute to Bruce Lee, who had passed away the year before that, and mm. who better to present it than uh, Linda Lee. And right. uh, Linda and actually Joe Lewis both presented me that award at the uh, U.S. Championships, uh, United States Championships, Alan Steen's tournament in Dallas, Texas. And I was mm. living in... Uh, in Washington D.C., but I, you know, I was from Texas, so it was great to go back to that U.S. Championships, and we won the team championships at that event that year, and then I won that award uh, because at the time I was the number one point fighter, and it was between me and Bill and Howard Jackson, the three of us, uh, all during the year were changing back and forth on who was number one and who was number two and who was number three. So I was number one for a while. Bill was number one for a while. Howard was number one for a while. So the, between the three of us, we were pretty much dominating those top three spots for several years. Wow. Excellent. Right. Well, you know, I have to tell you something, you know, Jeff, this year now you, you, you broke up in a lot of old stories here. You know, at my event this year, people are going to drive you crazy. <laughs> they're going to call well, you and talk to you the whole weekend. <laughs> well, let me tell you, Alan, uh, and and this is not because you're on, on the show here, but your event really, uh, you know, is not only the most professionally run uh, event of the year. It has really set the bar and has actually elevated a lot of other uh, shows that I went to that did them before you were doing, you know, when you did yours, you set a new bar and a new standard and people that would come to your event, it put them on the spot to provoke to promote a much more professional event. But they still can't come close to the quality and the number of people, the quantity and the quality that you have in your event. You're still uh, number one. And if anybody's going to go to any Hall of uh, Fame event and want to see the top people there, uh, this one in Atlantic City, the end of January, is definitely the one to go to. You know, I tell people all the time, if you can't do it with class, don't do it at all. It's just not worth it. Well, unfortunately, unfortunately some people do it anyway. <laughs> so yeah, I know, I know. Do it, do it right. Well, we, we have well, something special we're going to be doing for Joe Lewis. We lost a couple of great people this year, Joe Lewis, and uh, just lost Ronald Duncan and uh, another gentleman who's on our board for many years. And we're going to be doing a little something this year for everyone, so... We, you know, we want the audience to know that, you know, it's not a matter of just having a good time at our events. We have to give tribute to the people that laid the road out for us, actually paved the road. And uh, so this year, you know, I'll be speaking to you about it and, you know, Bill Wallace, a couple other people. Uh, and we're going to try to do something very special this year because we need to keep this alive. You know, whether we lose these guys or not, we need to keep their memories and what they did to the art alive. That's so. absolutely true, Alan. And, and, and I appreciate it as well as the other martial artists uh, who, you know, who really looked up to these people and, and, and know even the backstory, you know, when these people were, you know, just, you know, you know, going that, when you go back 50 years, there's not a lot of people, you know, uh, of the young martial artists that are out there that know all of this history. So if we don't pass it on to them and, and educate them and let them know, there's no way for them to pass the stories on down the line. 
I agree. I agree. Yeah. I, I think it's very important that history is put out. You know, I, I take my students all the time, and I always sit down and tell them stories about my seafood and my seafood seafood when they because I want them to know this. Because if, if I'm not telling them now, who are they going to be able to tell? They're not, they're not going to have that knowledge. So it's very important that we all yeah, sit and talk about the old times, you know? Yep, there'll be a gap in there. And, and that's the good thing about your event. It draws all those competitors and all those uh, pioneers of the sport. So, you know, we really get to talk about old times and, and really yeah. help, you know, reminisce. <laughs> you know, and that's all you have when you get older. you got to reminisce about the, there you go. the old days. There you go. <laughs> well, well, yeah, man, I, I, I do. One last I, comment, if you don't mind. Sure, go on. I just, um, I just, I just want to say, you know, I've, I've looked over your career from a martial arts historian, and um, I was looking at a, a, just one last thing. There was a famous cover, an article done in Karate Illustrated magazine that had you on the cover, and probably is one of the coolest photo shoots in the history of martial arts. And I just wanted, to, I just wanted to ask and, and and find out a little bit about the background real quick because it's probably one of the coolest photo spreads ever done on your career. And uh, it's got you depicted in a red gi and whatnot. And I wanted to ask you a little bit about the background behind that. Sure. Uh, which one are you referring to? Which cover? Uh, that was the uh, Karate Illustrated article on you. Um, like I said, you were just a light heavyweight champion at that time. Uh, Karate Illustrated done a big article on you. And was that the one where uh, it has me in those uh, those tight gray pants with the stripe on the sides? I think they have it in that, and I think yeah, they have it in the red gi bottoms. And I was like, wow, that's a cool shoot. That's a classic shoot of of you in your prime, in in uh, like I said, as 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 a light heavyweight champion. And I want to uh, say, like, you know, and, and it, it's as I get older now. Uh, yeah, I've, I'll have to bring it with me in January. Bring it so I could I could see which one. Is, I, is I that a shoot? Is that a senior moment, Jeff? I was on about 25 covers, so unless I know the picture, I get them confused. Right. Well, this is the only. This is the second oh, magazine yeah. you were ever on the cover of. That's that's why I remember it because aside from professional karate, this is when one of when like I said the other mainstream magazine, which was Karate Illustrated at the day, had featured you for their first time on the cover. And. Wow. Um, but uh, I just wanted to say one last thing. I just wanted to give you a, a personal thank you. Um, back in the 1970s, um, I had an instructor from uh, back in the old United Studios in uh, Fairhaven, Massachusetts, a guy by the name of uh, Fred E. Hosmer. Some people knew him as Ed Hosmer. And uh, back in the day when you were light, when you were light heavyweight champion and, and you got a studio, he would take a pilgrimage from Massachusetts to go all the way down the train with you. And he would always speak so glowingly about you and how open-minded you were and willing to teach and help out. And uh, it meant the world to me because we got some of the early full-contact karate training that you were going through and transitioning, and he had worked with you and Bill Wallace, and it meant the world to us because you took the time to work with him. Well, I appreciate it. And, I, you know, I had a a thing where I would, Massachusetts and that whole area up there, Connecticut and all through there, I did a lot of seminars for those guys. They had some really good, that whole New England area was really one of the pioneers and really some of the hardcore fighters back mm-hmm. then. They were some really, really good competitors. So I always enjoyed uh, any time I could go up to that New England area. It was uh, it was beautiful countryside and, and great people. Excellent. Thank you so much for taking the time. I really appreciate it. Joe, thanks again. We appreciate your input anytime you come on.
Yeah, well, you know what? This is is historic because Joe was stumped. I like it. (laughs) 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 All right, I like that. I like that. Now, on that on on that note, um, you know, he's been he's been waiting for a little while. But uh, Alan, we have uh, someone you know, Nico from Staten Island. Uh, He has has a couple of questions for you. Uh, So, Nico, sorry for the long wait, but welcome to the show. It's quite all right. Gentlemen, how are you? Master Smith, it's an ple- honor and pleasure to meet a true champion. Thank hey, you. Nico, Nico, I was just going to yes, say, but this is this is a real world champion. You understand? Yes, I, hey, hey, I'm going to tell you something. <laughs> I'm going to tell you something. Gentlemen, I want you to know that Alan has assisted us at the American Temple Training Union to really expose a fraud champion and to and and mr smith uh, i tell you what you're one of the icons of our community and i truly appreciate everything everything especially the work you're doing with the children and the drugs uh the drug program uh say no to drugs i believe it is right uh and and uh, anyone that can that, that can give back to the community and, ca- and get kids and have these drug programs it is a in my book and i tell you what i had you're amazing. You're amazing. Thank you a lot. I appreciate it. And, uh, Alan, uh, once again, uh, on behalf of the ATTU, thank you for the assistance you rendered us since the weekend. <laughs> and, thank uh, you, my like, friend. And, and like hope, you said, hope to see you in Atlantic City. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah, I definitely will see you. I, I intend to be there. Uh, now, uh, Master Smith, I have a question for you. Yes, uh, years ago, you were part of, uh, I, I believe the gentleman before covered the, uh, the red, white, and blue geese, and I tell you, I remember seeing that picture. Now, you, Bill Wallace, and Joe Lewis were part of the uh, the, the the USA team. Am I right? Correct. Now, how how does it feel to be part of the the icons of our industry today? Amongst the, you're one of the greats, Bill Wallace, uh, Joe Lewis. Did you ever think that you would be so monumental and 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 uh, very influential in the martial arts today? How does that feel? It must be awesome. Well, you know, coming from a small town in Texas, uh, you know, never never going uh, traveling. When uh, you know, I was in um, in college, and up to that point, really hadn't been out of Texas other than a, than a state or two uh, beside Texas. So I never really got a chance to see the rest of the world and. It was because of Grandmaster June Ree, uh, you know, coming down to Texas, and then him uh, asking me to come up to Washington D.C. and teach for him. I really owe it all to him. Uh, had he not invited me up to Washington D.C. and to teach for him, and his mentoring that he gave me, and uh, helped me on how to run uh, martial arts schools, and instilling in me that business principle of. Uh, of developing great students and giving them a good value for the for their dollar to make good mm-hmm. students and good martial artists. Uh, he gave me that whole opportunity by paying me to teach for him and allowing me to go to all of these tournaments and sponsoring me uh, was the only way I was able to do it. And uh, through his excellent training and technique and his stable of fighters that he had there really gave me the catalyst that I needed. So. You know, it was like we were talking about early, Alan. Uh, not, and nobody can do it on their own. You need mentors. You need people mm-hmm. to get yep. along the way. And that's what Grandmaster Reed did for me. He was really uh, 
uh, you know, a great mentor for me and uh, really still is a role model and a, and a great example of a, of a true martial artist. God bless him, yeah. Excellent. Yeah. Yes, well, that's pretty awesome. I, I, how is it to, to have been training with the another great, the uh, Mr. Superfoot Bill Wallace? How is it training with him years back? Well, Bill and I have been friends for for almost fifty years now. As a matter of fact, I'm going down next week. To, I go down each year to spend Christmas with him, and I I go down for Bike Week and visiting there. Then I usually go down a few times in the summer. He was up here uh, just recently. Whenever he does seminars up in the area, I always go hang out with him for a few days. So, you know, we still, uh, you know, get to spend a lot of time together and uh, reminisce about uh, about the good old days when we were competing and, and knocking heads together. But uh, <laughs> even though we would fight and we would get in the ring and it looked like we hated each other because we'd beat the hell out of each other, when we would That's walk out of the ring, we would be the best friends and uh, – you know, we just uh, appreciated, you know, I always appreciate him fighting me hard, you know, because the harder he fought me, the tougher it made me and made me want to train more. So, you know, he really mm. took me to the next level and made me train harder. Well, sir, I, I appreciate you taking the time to answer my questions, and you're one of the greats. I deeply Thank admire you. your skill. I've, I always have, and and uh, and uh, keep up. The good work. You're amazing. All of you are. Uh, Thank you. All of you. And I'm looking forward to meeting you, sir, in January. Great. Nico, you I'm take care. Thank you for the call. We appreciate it. Nico, while, while, we're, while we're on the line, can I say something about Nico, if you don't mind? I just wanted to give out a word of thanks. Uh, I met Nico in New York at a seminar several months ago. Uh, I also want to extol the virtue of the, the skill that he has. He's also a, an excellent woodworker. He does these wonderful wooden training karambits and finger knives that he's passed along. And if you get a chance to, when you see him in January, ask him about it. Make some great product. I really enjoy his stuff. Uh, thank cool. you a lot, Joe. Uh, how you doing, Mr. Uh, uh, Hunchy Rovello? You well? Doing good. Doing good, Nico. Glad to hear from you. Uh, um, it was wonderful to see you, and I'm hoping to see you again very soon. I'm still working on some ideas about those weapons for you. <laughs> you have craftsmanship. Go. Uh, you know, you got to ask them about it. Thank you. Definitely well, will. Thank you, guys. Appreciate it. And, Alan, your event coming up in uh, in uh, January, uh, Steve Oliver is going to be there also. I think he's on the line now with uh, oh, is with he? Toby. Oh, sure. Uh, Steve, you there? You still there, he Toby? is. I'm not sure. I am. He is. I'm not sure if he's muted or not. Okay, Toby's no. here. To- Toby's live. I am here. I, I, Mesh Oliver may have muted himself. I'm not sure. <laughs> okay, well, well t- okay. Toby's okay. still alive anyway. <laughs> We're all coming. We're, you know, we never want to miss Alan's event, and uh, we'll all be there in full force and uh, be there to help some of the martial arts owners. We appreciate that. So he, I think he's hearing us if he's not speaking. But this has been a great show. This has definitely been a great show, and and I love the fact that we're you know, we're able to uh, ex- expose history, all right, and help uh, school some of these youngsters on what uh, what happened way back when that allows them to do what they do today. And and you're one of the pioneers in that. Uh, you know, uh, Jeff, and uh, I thank you for that. And uh, yeah, this is an amazing show. What do you think, Alan? Well, thank you, right. and thank I Alan love it. For, I love it. 
and thanks, Alan, for, for putting something like this together with you. And uh, I'm always looking forward to his event. And, you know, if people want to hear more stories, you know, that's what we do when we're at those events. We all just get together and hang out and talk old stories. And that's the time for you to ask those questions uh, that kind of tie together some of the stories you might have heard from your instructor and then hear some of the other uh, things uh, from Bill and, and and myself and some of the other players, and it kind of fills one, everybody in. One, one thing I want to get, I always get a thank you every year from Hooters, because at my event, they show, <laughs> show some of them every year. <laughs> nice. I want to be a Hooters after the event. Oh, anyway. That's one of That's... Bill's favorite burger places. <laughs> I know. I, 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 a quick story about Bill. He came into town on my first event, I brought him to this private club. I sit down. They had lobster. They had shrimp. They had all this great food. And Bill's sitting there, and he goes, I don't eat this stuff. And I literally had to leave the restaurant and bring him downstairs to get him a hamburger. <laughs> now, I want to know how you got him to eat the salmon. Uh, well, his, actually, his girlfriend made him eat it. So, But he, oh, hardly, he says he eats it now. So, you oh, know, it's good for her. It, yeah, there's a lot of a lot of things we don't know go on behind closed doors, you know. Yeah, female well, persuasion. Uh, that's, yeah, that's there how you that go. works. I think everyone knows about that, you know. But on that note, uh, we're going to be going to um, to uh, Aaron Richmond from MMA Fight Council in a minute uh, with his MMA wrap up for the week. But before we do that, again, I want to thank uh, Master Jeff Smith for coming on the show, and uh, you know, really. You know, getting getting into it. Uh, I love hearing the stories. It's fantastic. And anyone that wants to learn more about uh, Master Jeff Smith, just go to jeffsmithkarate.com. dot com. Find out more about him because this is one legend that you don't wanna not know something about because you can learn a lot and enhance your your uh, your martial arts uh, knowledge. And you need to do that. And uh, Toby with Nap Nap Napma, thank you for coming on the show. And again, that's that's Nat, that's N A P M A dot com, right? Right, Toby? Absolutely right. Absolutely right. Okay. Thanks so much for having us, guys. It was, it was great. And yeah, you know, you. and again, go, go to all all martial arts fans out there, I'm really a fan of all martial arts, regardless of what style it is. You know, whether it's kung fu, jab, you know, jujitsu, judo, uh, boxing, wrestling, kickboxing, the Muay Thai, uh, the Bondo, the, all of the systems, uh, uh, traditions. Or talk about it, I might say. And uh, not a better place to do it than the event. That's the end of January in Atlantic City. I thank you, Jeff. I appreciate it. We got we got a lot of a lot of great surprises this year. I just want to tell the audience for next week on Tuesday night, we have Kevin Sobo coming in from Hercules and Andromeda. Should be an interesting show. Ten years of uh, two of the top. TV hit shows for us. Wow. And, 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 and he has an interesting story. Yeah, so we, we should have a good time on that show also. And, Jeff, oh, I yeah. want to thank you for calling in and uh, just being our guest. And, you know, this is the way to do things. You know, We've we got to let the audience know that everyone's still out there pushing hard. Okay, I appreciate that one. Thanks for having me. Thank you. Thank you, Jeff. And then, uh, Joe, Wikipedia Joe, thank you again for, you know, uh, bringing your knowledge to the table, but guess what? You were stumped, and I am loving it. What was Finally. I stumped? What was I stumped? I'm like going, oh, I'm going to have to listen to the rebroadcast. Where exactly was I stumped? Oh, you've got to listen to the replay. Because we're going to replay that. <laughs>
I think we're going to play that every week now. Well, oh gosh. Like, so like we, I know, we, know, we know for sure he was stumped on June Ree coming from Texas. That, yeah, that, that was that, new. You that, know what? I have to admit, that was, that was a new fact for me. Yep, I have to admit. That's going to be on the rewind every week now, I think. What do you think, Alan? <laughs> <laughs> well, you see, that's, that's uh, just an ad for the show. Don't miss it because if we can stump uh, Wikipedia Joe, then you can stump anybody. Oh, yeah. <laughs> we're gonna do a, we're gonna do a mashup with that one, you know. Oh gosh, I have to make it up next week with Kevin Sorbel. There you go. Great. Let's see how that works out. Let's see you. <laughs> you know, but and, uh, uh, you're, you're, you're great, Joe. So for you to be stumped once in a while is good. It shows your there you go. Well, remember, time. even a broken clock is right twice a day. There you there go. go. There you go. So they and thanks say, to Tiari. Thanks to Tiari Cassell for calling in and. And sure. Jamie, Jamie Cashin from uh, Fort Worth, Texas, uh, one of Pat Burleson's uh, black belts down there for uh, bringing in the Texas connection up there from uh, from Texas. Sure. And then, Jen, uh, in closing, you know, uh, January 25th, 26th, Atlantic City, you know, Action Martial Arts Hall of Honors. Don't miss it. Go to actionmagstore.com. Find out more about it. Alan Goldberg puts on the most awesome martial arts event. You'll ever attend. This is like a uh, this is like a fifteen hundred to twenty five hundred people family coming together all in one day, and you don't want to miss it. Uh, Alan, do you want to close with anything before we go to Aaron? Well, I just want to say it's always an honor speaking to our special guests, and then when the callers come in, so you know, you know, sometimes you look at a show and say, "Where's it going to go this week?" But every week it gets better and better just by having the great guests we have on. So thank you very much. And that's what we well, do. All right. Thank, thank you, everybody. And uh, let's go to Aaron Richmond with the MMA uh, report. Welcome back, my friends, to the show that never ends. So glad you could attend. Come inside, come inside. Hello, everybody. It's Aaron Richmond from the MMA Fight Council. Uh, thank you, Alan. Thank you, Lou, for allowing me to be on the show again this evening. Uh, it's an honor. Uh, it's really it's a privilege. So uh, let's get right to it. MMA, a lot going on right now in the world of MMA. Uh, we've got uh, schedule-wise, uh, let's see, we've got a couple of days from now, CES MMA coming up here in Rhode Island. We've got Bellator. This is down in your area, Bellator Fighting Championships 83, which is uh, going to be in Atlantic City. Uh, we're really honored to have somebody from the Fight Council that will be attending there, uh, Spencer you know Spencer Cunningham, uh, he'll be there. He's hard to miss. He's seems like everybody knows him at these shows. It's going to be a big one. Uh, there's a featherweight tournament final uh, with Rad Martinez, and I know I can't say this name right, but I'm really going to try Shabulat Shamal uh That should be a great fight. Uh, the featherweight tournament finals of season seven of Bellator, and also Zoila Gurgel versus Jessica I. A great women's feature fight. Zoila is there. 125-pound champion, actually, and a great fighter. She had a little bit of a layoff, came back, had a great fight uh, in the very recent past, and now she's really uh, being thrust back in there with uh, some great, great competition. Uh, Zach Mikofsky, uh who is a fantastic fighter, and uh, Anthony, Anthony Leone, very exciting fighter. I remember seeing him here in his young professional days in New England. So those are all going to be televised, and, of course, they're going to be live at Caesars in Atlantic City. So, hey, if you can get there, uh, some great, great stuff going on. 
Also, uh, XFC 21 in Tennessee coming up on December 7th. That's a big night. Uh, maybe you've heard of Nick Newell, uh, another guy that I watched come up uh, professionally here in New England. A congenital birth defect. He's got one arm, one and a half arms, I should say. And uh, the dude is ferocious. He's skilled. He's talented. He's strong. He's He finishes people. He's actually fighting for their title. It's no joke. He's he's the real deal. A uh, very inspiring young man. A great great fighter. Uh, also, let's see in Pennsylvania, the Valley Fight Series seven. Uh, we've got uh, Lou Neglia is putting on another Ring of Combat uh, on December eighth. Of course, in New Jersey as well. Uh, so a lot of a lot of uh, good stuff going on. Uh, and let's see the next. We're still we're still looking at the next. Uh, UFC, uh, it's coming up. It's it's coming up. It's right around the corner, I guess, is what I what I ought to say. And uh, it is December eighth. Also, a UFC on Fox. Uh, it's the fifth one. It's Henderson versus Diaz. Great, great fight. A lot of other great fighters on the card. Um, some other things. You know, maybe you're listening from somewhere else in the world, and you're thinking, well, hey, what about us? Uh, there's a great, great uh, K. Uh, KSW 21 in Torwar, Warsaw, Poland on December 1st. Uh, oh, I'm sorry. Of course, that's that's past. Uh, let's scratch that. Uh, that was a great show. They always put on great shows. Uh, some great talent over there in that part of the world. But uh, let's see. What else might uh, we have going on? By the way, the XFC 21 is in Nashville, Tennessee, in case you're anywhere nearby. Uh, a lot of King of the Cage uh, shows, as always, going on, and uh, some good grappling, uh, some good grappling tournaments uh, coming up as well. Of course, Naga. Let's see, the, the nearest Naga coming up would be uh, also on the eighth, and that is the uh, Pan Am Grappling Championships in Lakeland, Florida. Uh, Grappler's Quest has uh, some big events coming up, so lots and lots of stuff going on uh, in the world. Uh, also, just in the sort of the news world uh, of MMA, you may know Dominic Cruz, uh, who is the uh, bantam, the UFC uh, bantamweight champion, has uh, been out. He's been out with um, a torn ACL, and uh, he had it, uh, he had surgery, uh, had a cadaver um, replacement made, and uh, it didn't, it didn't take. So he's had to uh, have some more surgery. He's going to be out six to nine more months, uh, unfortunately. And um, we've got, oh, this is cool, I think. Uh, to me, it's cool. Maybe to you, too. Anderson Silva, great, I think, great spokesman for the sport, great uh, champion. Uh, is doing a Brazilian-Portuguese language television commercial for Nike uh, titled Destiny. And uh, he's just a cool guy, great athlete, great champion. So I'm really glad to see that happening. Um, a match that's likely to happen. Verbal agreements have been uh, made for Stefan Struve. Huge, towering, hulking. I don't know what other words to use. The guy's enormous. Uh, heavyweight to fight Mark Hunt, who's not so tall. But, man, he's he's vicious. Uh, former K1 uh, kickboxer, great MMA fighter. For UFC on Fuel 8. And get this, the Saitama Super Arena. That's Japan. That's I think that's like a 70,000-seat arena. Uh, that's scheduled for March 2nd, tentatively. So a lot of great stuff going on in the uh, world of MMA, as as always. And uh, you know, hopefully, uh, this helps point you in uh, in the right direction. Uh, you can always check our events page at MMA Fight Council. That's C O U N C I L dot com. MMA Fight Council dot com. 
thanks again, as always, uh, Alan and Lou. It's a pleasure and honor, and I uh, look forward to talking to you again soon. You're listening to UCW Radio. In your face. If you try to remember, you will lose. Empty your mind. Be formed. Shaped. Like water. All the fighters that ever set foot on this planet. I'm the only world champion, United States national champion. I'm a two-time national kata champion. I was never beating kata. Be proud of it. The Action Martial Arts Power Hour. Oh.